Hey, this is Sam for Dobbs. If you need tires, hop on our website, go to Dobbs.com. We'll save you time searching brands, sizes, and prices, and save you money because we sell tires at the lowest price in town, guaranteed. For deals you can use, click on go to Dobbs.com now. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. This is the Character and Smallman Podcast on 101 ESPN. A fresh perspective on the day's biggest stories. It's Character and Smallman's Fresh Take. Powered by Schnucks. Eat good to feel great at Schnucks on 101 ESPN. Michelle, for the last several years, one of the big stories in sports, in football, has been players taking a knee. And to this point, we have not heard a single NFL owner that's come out with a statement regarding Roger Goodell's statement on Friday, in which he said, we, uh, uh, to paraphrase, we agree with your right to protest uh, peacefully. We were wrong. Yeah, and... That includes taking a knee. Mm-hmm. And we haven't heard an owner. We've heard several people that are above players. Uh, Chris Ballard, the GM of the Indianapolis Colts, said, this is not a black problem. This is a white problem. This is an issue that we have to talk about, and we can't sugarcoat it. We can't go back into our bubble. Uh, also, Kyle Shanahan uh, made some comments in support of the protests. And Roger Goodell obviously made his comments. Let's start with this. The season is going to start, we believe, without fans. We in the NFL never see the national anthem on television anyway. It's always a commercial break. So will they even do a national anthem before games this fall? Interesting question. And I'm one that I'm sure NFL owners are discussing because it's going to be a, a big topic of discussion heading into this year based on what we're seeing in our country right now. And... You, I could see a scenario in which the owners would not play the anthem if the fans were not there so that they wouldn't have to deal with this. And I think we're going to see the way that NFL owners truly feel about the peaceful protests moving forward because while the teams have come out on their social media and made statements, while Roger Goodell has made a statement and he represents the owners, if you're seeing record numbers of players kneeling before a game for the national anthem, even if fans are not in the stands, owners are going going to have to answer questions about this personally and based on the fact that we know that our president has come out and said that he doesn't agree with the kneeling of the of the peaceful of the protesting of the anthem and he's even tweeted at drew Brees as such and says he doesn't think that drew Brees should have changed his opinion and apologized we know that a lot of nfl owners do have a relationship with the president Mm -hmm. and so it will be interesting to see how they approach this moving forward and any rational person can be friends with and agree with some of the things, especially when you have as broad a scope of things that you have to 
take issue with or have issues with as the president. You can agree with what he does with the economy and not agree with what he's doing in terms of social justice initiatives. So it'll be like you say, it'll be interesting to see how a Jerry Jones mm-hmm. reacts to this. And he can't stop talking. He's got to say something. So I'll be interested to see. Meanwhile, with Goodell, I thought it was interesting the other day on PTI, Tony Kornheiser wondered if Goodell was thinking about kneeling with the players. Wow. That's an interesting thought. He did say, I, I will protest with you. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what that means, but he, he did say that in his statement. And so it's probably going to take some form, whether it's him kneeling or if we'll see him participating in a, a peaceful protest somewhere in America. I don't know what that's going to look like, but I also think by Goodell saying that in his statement, the players are going to hold him accountable to that because he made that statement not only to the NFL, but to, to the American public. For my entire adult life, when people have said uh, player X, Y, or Z should do more to impact his community, regardless of what the issue of the day is, I've always said, yeah, it's it's their business. I, I It doesn't matter to me whether they do or not. I can understand why they might or why they might not. And the vast majority of athletes have not participated in social endeavors in my adult life, and we just saw the uh, last dance where Michael said, hey, Republicans buy shoes, too. Right. Tiger has been really reluctant to get involved in social justice issues. Muhammad Ali famously was. Well, it doesn't matter to me. I am heartened to see so many athletes that are paying attention to what's going on in society and caring and trying to do something about it. And not wanting to shy away from using their platform because you're right. A lot of athletes prior said, hey, it's best for me to not speak out on these things because I don't want to disrupt my brand. Even though privately I might feel a certain type of way, if I make a public statement, there's going to be a huge group of football fans or baseball fans, whatever athlete is talking about this out there, that might say, hey, keep politics out of my sports. I don't want this and look at you a certain way. I think especially after you saw what happened with Colin Kaepernick. Colin Kaepernick expressed his right to peacefully protest and it it he's out of the league. He became a huge topic of conversation that divided a lot of people when his intent was just to shine light on a situation in America that needed a light to be shined on it. And I think a lot of athletes took a a look at what happened with Colin Kaepernick and they said, hey, I I don't want to go down that road. But I think now it's gotten to the point where there's nothing distracting us and you're, you're looking at the continuation of oppression, of systematic oppression of black people in America. And I think athletes have said, hey, enough is enough. And it's our responsibility to say something, not only as an athlete with a platform, but as an American, as a human being, really, in a lot of these situations. And I know that this is not uh, an opinion that is shared across the board because there are nefarious people out there. But my point with the platform that we have I want to do as much as I can to make, to allow as many people to lead a good, happy life as possible, whether it's kids with ECH or whether it is uh, young African-Americans with uh, 
the uh, the Father Support Center, uh, whatever charity I'm involved with heavily, I, I want people to lead a better, happier life. And I'm glad the players are taking that approach. Mm-hmm. And I wish everybody would take that approach, whatever your platform might be. What's wrong with wanting every person in our world to have a better, better happier life? I can't come up with one reason why that's not a great thing. <laughs> But the, the, there are, but I, I wish that we could all feel that way. That, hey, just try to make the, the world for your neighbor or the person that you work with or the person that's on the street corner trying to live their life. Do what you can to try to make their life a happier, better life. That's simple. Is, is that really such a fresh take? <laughs> just to be a kind and decent person? Hottest take of the day, Randy. Hottest take of the day. It's 813. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. And coming up, we're going to head into the Blues booth, the voice of the Blues, Chris Kerber on 101 ESPN. This is Carriker and Smallman. We're talking everything St. Louis Blues as we head into the Blues booth. The Blues booth presented by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors. The home show sale is going on now at Boardwalk Hardwood Floors. Update your home with savings on all types of flooring, including solid, reclaimed, wide plank, and more. Visit one of the showrooms in Crestwood, Manchester, St. Peter's, or online at BoardwalkHardwood.com. Boardwalk Hardwood Floors. Great floors for every home, with better selection, better value, and the best service. Just to add to our last segment, a text from the 636. This is not a black... Uh, white versus black. It's an us versus them. The people against police brutality. Once we figure that out and stop making the race gap bigger, the better we will be. We're all American and we need to fix the police problems. And uh, we've said before, the, the signs that people hold up that say all police are bad are ridiculous. That Because not all police are bad. Not, not all members of a particular group are bad, but there obviously are a lot of instances, way too many instances in our country where especially African-American men are brutally attacked by police officers. And that is a problem that we need to solve. And that's why the NFL players did what they did over the course of late last week. That's why Roger Goodell responded, because, again, we're trying to make the country a better place. Absolutely. And I think examining certain systems in place and examining allocations of funds and examining the way that things are, the status quo is not a bad thing. I think to having a healthy discussion and saying, okay, if this is an issue, how, what can we do to make it better? How is that a negative? How is that a bad, a bad conversation to start? And one thing I hear about therapists and I'm, I'm just not a therapist guy. I I know a lot of people that are, and I think it's great that people feel like they can benefit from therapists. But one thing that therapists consistently say is, and they want you to do, is talk through it. Mm -hmm. And that's one aspect to this. We're like a... We we need a, a, a country and an, an American therapist because this is something that we haven't had the willingness to talk through. We have do- Dr. Fauci for COVID. We need a, a national therapist to talk us through to <laughs> right. through what's yeah. happening and with uh, with systemic racism in America. We we need the, a new version of Dr. Fauci. That's a good idea. Yeah, I was thinking yesterday as I was riding my bike, and I went for a two and a half hour bike ride. Nice. I, I kind of. Um, Man, it was I, hot. How did you it, do it that? It was. I went. I got on the bike Boiling. at seven thirty. Oh, morning. okay. Great call. But I, I don't know why I was thinking about it, but 
I was thinking about how that is my therapy. I kind of talk to myself. Uh huh. Why do you think I run? I get yeah. my best ideas when I run. Right. So it, I don't. Be, I think it's fantastic that people have the ability to go to somebody, whether and initially that person's a stranger, right? And provide them with your innermost thoughts. But my problem is, and I don't. This is just me. It might not be just me, but how are you going to fix my problems? I'm the only one that can fix my problems. That's just my belief. For therapy? Yeah. Because sometimes you are subconsciously participating in patterns of behavior that you're not even aware of. And to have an objective person sit there and identify those things and point them out to you and bring them to your conscious is sometimes very important. Interesting. Uh, my, and you my, might not even realize that no. you're participating in these patterns of behavior because they're so deeply ingrained in you from your childhood and from well, things that you've blocked out of your see, mind. And that's the biggest problem I have is, what the hell does my childhood have to do with it? I'm 57 <laughs> years old. You have no idea how much your childhood has to do with it, Randy. No idea. From everything that, everything that you love and enjoy and everything that you don't, a lot of it was shaped in your formative years. Think about the way that you love sports. The, your love of sports was shaped when you were a kid. There's no doubt about that. But the question is, can I change what I need to change? That's up to you, and you have to make a conscious... Change is tough. Change is very difficult, and you have to make a conscious decision to do it every day. Let's head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line and the Voice of the Blues here on 101 ESPN. Chris Kerber joins us, and Kerbs, a couple of uh, overarching uh, themes this morning, and the most important appears to be power rankings of breakfast (laughs) meats, sausage, ham, or bacon? Bacon, sausage, and then ham. Although I did hear the earlier segment, and I was a little thrown back. Like, uh, we go to the store, and we get a pound of ham for sandwiches every single week. Really? Wow, really? Well, well, I'm actually surprised more by your guys' reaction of really than... Than anything else. So when did people stop eating ham? When, when, <laughs> I, was, when I was a kid, ham was a major thing, but it's flipped to turkey. Uh, yeah. For me, when uh, we do all turkey and no ham. And when I was a kid, and I think, Curbs, when you were a kid too, probably, turkey wasn't a thing for sandwiches. during. We had turkey during holidays, but it wasn't something that you went in and bought at the grocery store on a regular basis for sandwiches. Now that it is, that's our go-to. Look, the single two most boring foods maybe on the planet are turkey and chicken. Okay, you got to eat them because they're healthy. But the only way to do it is you season the junk out of them. Or, like, you, there's no way you're eating a turkey sandwich with cheese or something unless you're putting some tomato to make it juicier, unless you're putting some mayonnaise. You know, you definitely got to throw some mustard on it. And you can get by without it but i frankly guys i, I mean i still do the dag i put turkey chicken salami and ham on the dog on sandwich so, boy. um yeah yeah i did i, I was still no, i was driving back to not see my dad this morning i was driving back heard you guys talking go when the heck did people stop eating ham so curbs if you're going to make a strictly ham sandwich though what's the play how do you construct it because when i think of ham i think of post easter and i'm going ham miracle whip on a hawaiian roll that's really the With only cheese uh maybe with some swiss yeah, yeah. But but that's usually because, you know, we had ham at Easter. Now we need to eat it. So if you're buying ham at the deli, how are you constructing the ham sandwich? First off, there's no Miracle Whip allowed in the house. That is not mayonnaise. That's, that's some kind of salad dressing. Okay, so Miracle Whip. Miracle Whip falls in the same category as Spam 
and other weird things like that. Okay, so no Miracle Whip, but it's it's ham, it's cheese. Could be any kind of cheese, really, but ham, cheese, mayonnaise. Uh, we got some construction going on in front of the house. They're serving that man. Ham, cheese, mayonnaise, some lettuce, tomato. Uh, depending if you want to put a little mustard on it. Pretty much anything at that point. Love some onion on there. Love it. Hey, Curbs, yep. uh, once again, we got a chance to hear Game 7 on uh, Friday night here on 101 ESPN, and I never get tired of it, but I, I love the fact that it, we hear your your last call a lot, but you guys were so gleeful after Sanford scored to make it 4-1, you, you and Joey. Give us a glimpse of what that booth was like once you guys knew the Blues were going to win the Stanley Cup. Uh, no, it was, I mean, it was, it was cool because you start thinking, okay, but, but, well, it's a great question. You have to still be in that moment because you can't miss anything on the air, what was going on, right? So, like, like anything else, it, it, to me, it was really no different than if you're calling a, a baseball game or a hockey game and you're down by 10 runs, something could happen. You still could see the most amazing save you've ever seen. You know, you you could you you could, I I always go back to this when I talk to students and, and, and I want to talk broadcasting, right? I don't know what the score of the game was when Ozzy Smith made that one, one of the most amazing plays a shortstop has ever made, right? Diving to his left, reaching back, bare hand and the ball to his right, and then still throwing the guy out. I don't know what the score was, but if they were if they were down by four runs or up by five, that play is still equally um, amazing and, and miraculous. So. Really, they scored the goal. You feel like you got it locked up. So the good thing is you could relax on that front. But you still had to make sure that you're translating the moment and not screwing anything else up the rest of the way through. And I'll give you a quick example. Even down, Randy, into the final into the final minute, I was mentioning you know some of the uh, like the games played for Steen and Bowmeister and um, and you know frankly it was that that came out of last break. And Dave Otto was doing some stats for us. Said, Dave, can you tally these up real quick for me? You know, so it wasn't like that was anything planned, and um, and, and but but then you realize, okay, the, the Bruins scored to make it four to one, but then on top of it, they kept the puck in the blue zone pretty much that that entire final minute and a half. It felt like so anything you wanted to see, you felt like well, if they shoot it, then you miss a Bennington save in the final minute of Game Seven of the Stanley Cup Final. So you just at that point you just say out of heck with it. You just stayed on the puck and then did the countdown and then whatever else you did. So. Um, it was relaxed. It was good. It, it wasn't quite as intense as the beginning of the game, but, uh, but but then you were still kind of focused on each individual moment so you're not missing anything you need to be describing to anybody. Curbs, when we think about so many of those major moments through the Blues run to their first Stanley Cup championship, it's your voice in our head that are calling those moments. We visualize it, but we hear your voice narrating it in our head, whether it's the wait is over, boom, boom, Gunnarsson, it's the St. Louis and Pat Maroon. And is there any calls that you made during that run that you feel like are your personal favorites, or do you have one that you say, I mean, I know to call the Blues first Stanley Cup championship in franchise history certainly has to stand above the rest, but is there any that you say, wow, I really nailed that one uh yeah people really like the boom boom gunnerson one i almost felt like i screwed it up a little bit uh initially but uh that, that's the cool part about that is if, if you get the moment people will like it uh, the, the pat maroon goal is obviously just enormous because that i mean that that could be the biggest goal in st louis blues history maybe um you know in the end when you look at it uh, coupled with a stanley cup final victory but um 
Wow, man, there, there, there were so many. There, there were so many moments that, like, even even the anger and the, you know, the, just basically saying that the Blues got hosed on, uh, you know, on, on the hand pass mm-hmm. game, you know, or, you know, so the, the cool part is Michelle is there. And, and I think you've seen this now, having sat in the booth a little bit, but you see plays develop so much better from up high, right? Right. So sometimes you could see something happen. And this is where if we get back to action and broadcasters are not allowed on site, TV and radio, this is where not only the real challenge, but I, I don't know how some of this will be possible uh, you know, because that that the goal scored by Jaden Schwartz with – you know what, 15 seconds left to win game five in Winnipeg, right? When you're, so the puck goes behind the net. Now, we had already seen, well, while the puck's going one way, Joe is watching a line change because somebody uh, had, had a skate blade break, right? So here comes Tyler Bozak. So Joe is watching that part. If we're watching just on a monitor, we don't get to see that because we're stuck on whatever the camera guy shows, right? right? So Joe's watching that. The puck goes into the corner. And I'm watching, even though you're saying, you, 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 you see the punt battle in the corner, you describe it, but you're keeping kind of your eye on everything going on. Well, you see Jaden Schwartz shoot to the middle of the ice after making one of the initial plays behind the net. And you're keeping an eye on that. Well, uh, it was, you could see that play happening because of Steen winning the, the puck and then what Bozak did, but it was, it was watching Jaden Schwartz move to the front of the net that got you ready for that call in that moment. And, and so those, those are kind of the things. So even in even in round one, you see those things. It's cool when you see them develop. You're like, Ooh. you're thinking in your head, and then it's pretty instantaneous. You're like, this could build, and then boom, it happens. And I, those, to me, are the cool moments. And Friday will be the one-year anniversary of the Blues clinching the Stanley Cup, but obviously the parade afterward. And it was epic, and hopefully we'll get an opportunity to see it again. And it seems like, even though the league is taking its time, it seems like the path is pretty well cleared to get things going. It, it does seem that way. Uh, it'll be right around the 22nd of June that the, the Blues will open up their uh, facility for the small groups. I would think somewhere around the second week of, of July, training camp of things continue to go smooth, and we could be playing games come that first week of August and, and broadcasting them back here on 101. And like I said, I don't know if we're going to be allowed on site. It's not looking that way, but, you know, um, there, there are some decisions and discussions that still need to be made along those lines from both revenue and, and things that impact everything. So it'll be cool, Randy. I'll tell you this, uh, Friday night, Friday night on Fox Sports Midwest, they're going to replay game seven. Okay. And I know fans are probably going, okay, we've seen it. We've seen it. We've seen it. Well, okay. But here's what they did. Trevor Nickerson and, and uh, 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 Mike Caruso, our Blue Note production staff, our, our, our content team with the Blues. And, and, and I, I think that from a, from a public, if you allow me a moment here, I, I think from a public uh, consumption standpoint, the, building this part of the organization out, the way it's being run by by Trevor Nickerson is is just really been enormous. Because without the work that he did, right, we wouldn't have seen those director cut specials of behind the scenes, right, and things like that. Uh, they they reached out. They've got thirteen different players. They've got Doug Armstrong, Tom Stillman, and Craig Berube, and they broke up Game Seven. In, into a whole bunch of smaller moments. And so Fox Sports is going to air this Friday night where you will get, it, it's game seven, but th- like, for example, the Alex Petrangelo goal, his head is going to pop up in a screen in the lower corner of your, of your TV, 
describing what he was going through, what he saw, and what he thought as that play happened. Awesome. And that's throughout the that's throughout the whole broadcast. Wow. Um, it's it, it's really going to be an amazingly cool way to watch that game seven and and kind of how it went through. So hopefully fans will look forward to that. It, a lot of work went into it, but I'm telling you what, uh, from some of the clips and highlights I've seen of how they're putting it together, it's going to be awesome. So you you'll hear like. You'll hear, you know, the, the, the TV call from Doc Emmerich go down and Alex Petrangelo sitting on your screen describing what he saw when, when, uh, uh, when, when the Boston Bruins were making a line change and when he cuts to the front of the net and the puck goes in. It's really a cool way to watch it. Looking forward to it. Curbs, as always, thanks. Good to talk to you and we'll do it again soon. Okay, guys. Have a great day and enjoy a ham sandwich this afternoon. <laughs> you got it. That's Chris All Kerber. Right. See you later. The voice of the blues here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we've got a new fighter for the fight here on 101 ESPN. Think you can beat down Character? We sure hope you can. The Fight with Character, brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Your best choice for quality tires and expert auto service. Dobbs on 101 ESPN. Welcome back to Character and Smallman here on 101 ESPN. It's 8.30 in the morning, which means it is time to kick off another week of the fight. Colin is here. Colin, what are we playing for this week? We are playing for a gift card to Surf and Sirloin in De Pere, home of prime USDA hand-cut steaks and fresh seafood. Surf and Sirloin is open now for indoor dining. Visit surfandsirloin.com to check out the menu. Sounds delicious. Sounds amazing. It really does. All right, well, let's bring in our competitor today. Lonnie is with us. Lonnie, good morning. Good morning, Michelle. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing today, Lonnie? You feeling good? You feeling ready to take on Randy? I'm feeling great. Ready to go. Really into that positivity. I love that confidence. All right. Lonnie, question number one. On this day in 2005, Skip Schumacher made his Major League debut for the Cardinals. What is Skip's actual first name? Is it Jared, Timothy, or Steven? Uh, Let's go with Steven. Question number two. On this day in 1977, Nolan Ryan notched his fourth career 19 strikeout game while playing for his second different team of his career. Which team was Nolan Ryan playing for? Was it the New York Mets, the California Angels, or the Houston Astros? Let's go with the Astros. Question number three, Lonnie. The Cincinnati Bengals have appeared in two Super Bowls in the history of their franchise. Who was the starting quarterback of the Bengals in their first Super Bowl appearance? Was it Boomer Esiason, Ken Anderson, or Jack Thompson? Uh, what was the second option again? Um, all three were Boomer Esiason, Ken Anderson, or Jack Thompson. Who's the starting quarterback so, uh, for the Bengals in that first Super Bowl? And question number four. In March of this year, the St. Louis Blues signed a five-year agreement with a new AHL franchise to serve as their minor league affiliate. Which franchise was it? The San Antonio Rampage, the Rockford Ice Hogs, or the Springfield Thunderbirds? Uh, let's go with Springfield Thunderbirds. All right. Colin is off to get Randy. Lonnie, does that confidence that you had when we started this, has it carried through? Uh, it's, a little iffy. it's a little bit easier <laughs> when you're just listening. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, I, I know. I mean, I thought the first question was tough. I didn't even know the answer to the first question. Let's see if Randy does. He's here. 
He's getting settled in. Our, uh, our staff, I think everybody else except for us, was uh, by a pool this weekend, it seems like. I was oh, I, I was by a pool. Oh, were you? Okay. Yesterday, yeah. Okay. Randy, I said yesterday my skin is the color of the dough that comes out of the biscuit can, you know, when you pop it open. <laughs> I've been inside for way too long. I I need to get... I will, I will remain at a pool from now until okay. you force me back Good. inside. Randy, say hello to Lonnie. Lonnie, how you doing? Pretty good. How are you? Good. Thanks for taking some time to join us, and thanks for playing today. We appreciate it. Randy, question number one. On this day in 2005, Skip Schumacher made his major league debut for the Cardinals. What's his actual first name? Uh, so, <laughs> one time down in spring training, uh, Patrick and I go to Arizona spring training every year, and... Uh, <laughs> So one time the Padres were playing. He's their first base coach now. Mm -hmm. And we were along the uh, first base line and I yelled, Hey, Jared! (laughs) Did he turn around? He did. Yeah, then he, he, uh, in a low-key way, uh, well, flipped me off. (laughs) Can you low-key flip someone off? Yeah, just, you know, so that's only noticeable to that person. (laughs) So it's Jared. All right, question number two, Randy. On this day in 1977, Nolan Ryan notched his fourth career 19 strikeout game while playing for his second different team of his career. Which team was Nolan Ryan playing for? His second team would have been the Angels. Mets, Angels, Astros, Rangers in that order. Randy, the Cincinnati Bengals have appeared in two Super Bowls in the history of their franchise. Who was the starting quarterback of the Bengals in that first Super Bowl appearance? Would have been Ken Anderson in game in Detroit. And question number four. In March of this year, the St. Louis Blues signed a five-year agreement with a new AHL franchise to serve as their minor league affiliate. Which franchise was it? Springfield. Curbs used to be the voice of Springfield, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Do you know the full? Do you know the Springfield what? Uh, If you give me the lifeline, I'll know. We'll count it. We have a winner. You had already locked up the victory. Sorry, Lonnie. Randy hit with a clean sweep. He beat you 4-3. to three. We'll go through the answers here. Skip Schumacher. Full name. Jared Michael Schumacher. How about that? Does not look like a Jared to me. He'll always be a Skip to me. Jared. I just can't put yeah, that. Yeah, I don't think he's really on board with Jared either. <laughs> Hence the Skip, right? Uh, when Nolan Ryan notched his fourth career 19, 19 strikeout game, he was playing for the California Angels. That was, uh, he played for the Angels from 1972 to 1979. The Cincinnati Bengals, when they made their first Super Bowl appearance, Ken Anderson was their starting quarterback. The Bengals lost that Super Bowl to the 49ers 26-21. to And the St. Louis Blues signed a five-year agreement with their new AHL franchise. That is the Springfield Thunderbirds. 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 What were the other choices there? The San Antonio Rampage or the Rockford Ice Hogs. Great name. Yeah. Rockford Ice Hogs is a really good name. Really great name. Lonnie, thanks so much for playing. Hey, you guys. Thanks, Lonnie. Have a great week. A couple of notes for you. Number one, Fairmont Park reopens tomorrow without spectators, but they'll have off-track betting. So tomorrow, the first race post time, 4.30 and moving forward, the track will be open on Mondays and Tuesdays starting at 4.30. The schedule will continue through September 7th, and this obviously is because of the coronavirus and COVID-19. Only authorized personnel, including jockeys, trainers, and others directly involved in races, as well as care of the horses are allowed on the premises, but they will have racing starting tomorrow at 4.30. And one other thing, uh, 
Parkway North is a great family, and the former uh, Parkway North football coach Bob Button is putting putting together a golf tournament to benefit Tom Radcliffe. He's a 1978, so he's a, a class with Bob and with John Kelly, 1978 grad of Parkway North, who's been diagnosed with ALS mm. and has a lot of health issues and obviously a lot of expenses to go along with those. And Bob has organized a golf tournament to be played at the Lynx at Dardenne on July 11th. And uh, I'm going to get out there and play. I know that Steve Savard and John Kelly and Andy Strickland are going to be involved. If you would like to participate in that golf tournament on July 11th to benefit Tom Radcliffe and uh, defray some of his costs, you can get in touch with Bob Bunton by emailing him at bobwbunton at yahoo.com. bobwbunton at yahoo.com or call 314-606-7731 so that you can get your foursome in there. And next up in uh, on Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. I just, uh, I just ruined my... No, I didn't. I, I stopped hearing my headphones. I didn't know if it was me or somebody did else. You, did you accidentally hit the cord? Because I, I do that often. Yeah. But, yeah, I did, and now it's fine. <laughs> Great. Uh, Doug Armstrong told us the other day that if you want to keep a player with the puzzle, sometimes it's a chessboard, and some chess pieces have to fall off. Which ones would we be willing to let fall off to keep Alex Petrangelo? That's next on 101 ESPN. on the show on Friday, and obviously the Alex Petrangelo free agent situation is at the top of mind for a lot of Blues fans. He was the first captain in Blues history to raise the Stanley Cup. Arguably was their best player in the playoffs. Really does play great at playoff time and had a fabulous 2019-2020 season. So we asked Armstrong about the cap and what it might, what effect the different cap might have on Alex Petrangelo's negotiations. Ultimately, we do have to get creative, and we're going to have to find a way to sit down with Alex and his and his representatives when uh, uh, we we a know the landscape moving forward, and that's not going to be till after the playoffs, and then uh, when next year's cap is set, when we have there's potential discussions on an extension of the CBA, which will certainly have an effect on, on these talks. But our goal hasn't changed that Alex is our captain. I'd love to keep him here. When you use that word creativity, and Alex used that for that term as well, what are some of the things that you've done in the past? To, and you don't have to give us specific players, but how can you get creative to fit players in? Well, it's a little more difficult than it was in the past in the sense you could put bonus uh, bonuses in contracts. Uh, that's very difficult to do now. So I guess creativity is, is uh, moving the, the chess pieces around, and probably one has to fall off the table so another one can stay. Got it. And you would think, Michelle, this year, just looking objectively at the situation, you'd think that there's a, a chance that they could buy out Alexander Steen. It doesn't save them five and five point seven five million. That's his cap hit for next year. It doesn't save the entire five point seven five. It's about half of that. And then Jake Allen was one of the best goalies in the league this year. The Blues have re-signed. They've given Ville Husso a new contract for next year. Jake is unrestricted after next year, by the way. So is Bennington. But that'd take 4.35 off. And then once you move past those two into the next year, 
then you're talking about perhaps Schwartz coming off the book as an unrestricted free agent. Uh, Tyler Bozak would be off the books at $5 million. So right there, that's $10.35 million with those two. And Gunderson would also uh, be up for free agency in the year after. So the key, as far as I'm concerned, if you really desperately want to keep Petro for the long term, is to clear up the space for next season. And to me, that would include Steen and Allen. Those would seem to be the logical chess pieces that would fall off the, the chessboard. It's always difficult because when you know you're going to sign a big contract, that player is going to take up so much of the pie and you're going to have to make some tough decisions. Especially coming off a championship, there's always tough decisions that have to be made because people are going to command more money. Now, I know that we're heading into different financial times, so the Blues will have to get creative, but... I mean, it, it always stinks to think that some players that have contributed to this team are going to have to, unfortunately, probably go on, move on to another team because of the contracts that a bigger player like that would command. But I think what Army said in that cut is true. When you think about a Petro, he's the leader of this team. He is the captain. He's someone that you would love to have in a St. Louis Blues uniform for the remainder of his career, if possible. Now, however, I do think we have gotten to the point that if Doug Armstrong says, hey, this is not something that we can afford, we have looked at the metrics, and we think it is best to keep these other pieces, these other chess pieces on the board, and unfortunately part ways with Alex Petrangelo, as much as that would sting, hasn't Doug Armstrong gained the benefit of the doubt that he's going to make the correct decision and what, even as yes. difficult as it is, he's going to do what is best for the St. Louis Blues? Yes, absolutely. He has earned the benefit of the doubt. And the other thing the Blues have to look at is if they give Petro the max years, eight years, in two more years, Colton Pareko is an mm-hmm. unrestricted free agent. One of the biggest mistakes that San Jose made was investing $20 million a year in two defensemen, Brent Burns and Eric Carlson. That's with where the cap was this year, where you'd think it'll probably be in two or three years. That's an awful lot of money to have tied up in one position, essentially for two guys that do the exact same thing. They're they're both great. They might be one and two in the whole league, but they're both number one quality right-handed defensemen. I don't think the Blues can allocate that much to that spot. It'd be different if one of them was a left-handed shot or was a natural left-handed defenseman, left left side defenseman. But I do believe that if the Blues sign Petrangelo, one of the choices that they're going to make is they're going to tell themselves we can't sign Pareko too. On the day you sign Petrangelo, I think you say we can't invest as much money as Colton Pareko is going to make on the market in him. And as much as we respect Alex Petrangelo as a hockey player, as a leader, I don't know if that's a decision that the Blues are willing to make. To look at Colton Pareko and say he's kind of the future. He's three years younger than Petro. When we talked to Army, we talked about the fact that Colton Pareko is the representative for the Blues in a lot of different things now. Mm -hmm. And that is a really tough decision to make because they both bring you unbelievable qualities on the ice, but also off the ice and in a leadership form. That's a difficult decision the team's going to have to make. And if you hold off on signing Pareko, that might allow you to keep a guy like Jaden Schwartz after next season. And don't forget Bennington. If Bennington does 
in the playoffs or has another great season next year, what he did last year, then he's going to be one of the most expensive goaltenders in the league, too. Mm-hmm. It's When you look back, hindsight's always twenty twenty. how many conversations do we have about the Blues moving Jake Allen in the past? Mm-hmm. And, and then we were so glad that the Blues held on to him and that he was able to contribute in the ways that he did this past season. But you, you think about the fact that you, you still have that option with Jake Allen, and it's a good thing that the Blues didn't already move on from him, right? No doubt about it. One other point here that we should make is that the Blues saw this coming. Alex Petrangelo's agents, and I don't know how much control Alex takes of his own personal contract situation, but everybody around the league talks about how if you wanted to make a comparison that his agency is the Scott Boris agency of hockey, that they're going to get their guy into free agency and that guy is going to make top dollar. Trading for and signing Justin Falk was a preemptive move. Nobody has signed on the Blues for more years right now, aside from Braden Shen, than Justin Falk. So the Blues certainly were thinking about this yes. possibility when they made the deal for Justin Falk. Well, it's, it was the safety net, right? Yeah, and he's Just not as case. good. No, he, he's not. He, he's, he's not Petrangelo, but you do protect yourself in the event that Petro's contract is going to be prohibitive for you to deliver so there we are there we are that's uh chess pieces it's just a big chess game that was the character and smallman podcast on 101 espn this is the story of the one as head of maintenance at a concert hall he knows the show must always go on that's why he works behind the scenes ensuring every light is working the hvac is humming and his facility shines with Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.